You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 So you get into like watch it early it's just like christmas come early and all of that if you're a cage fan but it's it's a lot of fun it's it's big dumb b-movie fun it knows exactly what it is um if you want to see cage beating the shit out of animatronics this is the film for you um i mean so can you so put good. yourself in a scenario where you would want to be stuck in like a rundown fucking chuck e cheese and then have that all go down like that to me is my big <laughs> <laughs> like ski ball is okay but after a while all the tickets start to add up you lose like a couple thousand dollars oh man i mean what what scenario would have to happen for me to be in that situation um because i think I'd, i mean i'm a coward at heart i would get killed off real quick <laughs> i'm looking at sea level that makes it like to the fourth last person and i'm honestly okay with that you know what i mean like i'm okay with not making it to the very ending being that maybe fourth or fifth guy i'm all right <laughs> yeah i mean if i could if i can make it mid-tier if i'm like halfway through uh the people getting picked off then that's and that's all right. You don't want to be the first one to die. You don't want to be like the lame one before you've started piecing together the mystery of what's going on. That's like when you read a newspaper article and you see the guy died from choking on steak and you're like, that's just fucking sad. But then that's what it would be like if you're the first person dead. It's like, oh, that's just sad. He didn't. He wasn't even that good of a character. Yeah, I want some backstory. I want some real, a real steak, like you say to my character, some real, like some real meat. I mean, if you get killed off first, no one remembers you. You're done. You're finished. It's over. You've had your five minutes of fame. Uh, you've had your face eaten off. Um, but I want to. <laughs> I want to be that. I think I'd be that nerdy archetype in the horror film where it's like, oh, you kind of root for them because they're a bit funny, uh, but then they get killed maybe like in the last twenty minutes of the film. I think that's my niche. Is that better to be that or be like the nerdy guy that ends up being the psycho killer? Like the one that's like, oh, he's the one that gets locked up at the ending. Ooh, good twist. Um, I mean, to be fair, if there's a sequel in it for me, then I'll kill anyone that you want. Give me that paycheck right now. I'm always that type. I feel like if I was going to be in a horror movie or just in a movie scenario, I'm the guy that makes it like right to the end, but then does something stupid. It's like, oh, he took that way. It's like, yeah, I accidentally took like a left and there was like a dead end hallway instead of going outside where the door was. I thought maybe I could jump out the window instead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I thought so you, you know the rules, you know, like you, you're not supposed to run upstairs. You're supposed to lock the door, but I'd run upstairs. I'd just run upstairs. I'd be that guy. I mean, I'm I'm a six foot four man, so there's not many places I can hide. I'm very visible, um, unless I can kind of in a cartoon way get like a Scooby Doo Shaggy hide behind the, um, <laughs> a giant lamp or something, or this cardboard cut out of Nicolas Cage. Then I might be all right. But Daryl, um, what made you decide you wanted to do a Nick Cage podcast? Because I feel like people love him, or they don't know exactly what he does, like what position he plays. And I'm like, I feel like he's like Nickelback. Everyone loves him <laughs> secretly, but nobody wants to fucking admit it. And we just immediately like either shit on the whole entire career of it. But it's like, you know, you enjoy some of Nickelback's songs. They're not all train wrecks. 
It's a real uh, Nickelback Coldplay conundrum. It seems like such an unpopular opinion to say that you like him. It was kind of weird because when I tell people that I enjoy Nicolas Cage, that like I genuinely think he's a good actor, like I like him as a person, um, there's just a reaction. It's like, are you joking? Uh, like, it's, it's like, no, I'm not. I'm not joking. Like, I, I think he's got great movies. I mean, um, he is he's no, notable for some stinkers, but... What stinkers are we talking about? Because people hate National Treasure, and I think that one's a National Treasure, to be honest with you. I think, like, National Treasure is one of the most safe grounds, um, you know, Nicolas Cage films that you can get. That's like... Uh, hollowed, hallowed ground. You can't be upset with National Treasure. If you don't like National Treasure, you're a monster. And I will go on record and say that. Um, <laughs> That's my first movie with him that I've ever seen in it. And then everyone, then I saw oh. the, the Two Face one with John Travolta. I don't know that. I think that's hopefully that's the title. Probably not. Um, <laughs> face off, but face pretty off. close. But like, it's like with John Travolta, like I just saw a magazine and he's been gone forever. I just saw him in a magazine this morning when I was at the store and it said he finally quit Scientology after 45 years. And he looks like he shaved his head like the Punisher, like going after the people that killed his family. <laughs> I mean, they, they've got to have some stuff on him, though. I mean, if you left Scientology, would you not shave your head as well? You've, you've seen some things in Scientology. And when Tom Cruise is basically at the tip of the top of that pyramid, the influence, the Illuminati influence that man has, um, your days are numbered. I've talked to so many people through Scientology and they all have kind of went clear where they've kind of released, like been out of the fold of it. And they're like, they're just like the Jehovah's Witnesses. You constantly still get emails. You constantly still get berated with messages and stuff. And I'm like, just seems like a tasking group to be in. Even if they did give you like <laughs> Nicolas Cage level fame, I don't feel like I would want that. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's a difficult one. You can leave it, but you don't really leave it. Um, so not Scientology, but a true story. When I was at university, a friend of mine um, called Danny Hyde, he joined the Mormon religion as a joke. Uh, they came into his house, but he's this very sort of like... Um, I guess to, to describe him lovingly, a very like kind of stoner, lovey, sort of happy-go-lucky guy. They knock at the door, he lets them in. Um, and next thing I know, me and a few choice friends are being invited to a, a Mormon baptism. Um, so we got dressed up for that. We just see him just like in his mid-20s. He's like, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on. Uh, getting dunked into a giant tangle of water. We're singing hymns. Um, and then... He just stopped attending Mormon um, Mormon meetings, whatever they're called, I don't know. Um, and then they, I think, harassed him for a while, knocked on his door, gave him a few phone calls, but eventually left him alone. Um, but What do you question uh, somebody, like you're a grown man and somebody's dunking you into a tank? Like I was watching Family Guy and they were doing the baptism of this, of Joe's little baby. And it, the priest says his little hymn or whatever, and then dunks the baby underwater, and he keeps doing the hymn thing while the baby's head's underwater. Then, like, a minute passes, and Joe's like, Get my baby out from under that water. Like, he's like holding <laughs> her down there, for like, a minute, and they can see the baby flying around. So I'm like, Yo, they legit have all the power. Like, I've seen grown people do the baptism and lay back in the thing. I'm like, this is like a Nicolas Cage film. This is just fucking scary. Like, you could turn that into a dark and demented thing where they don't let the people get back up. I mean, I'm surprised it hasn't been a cage film already, but 
is like we were sort of watching him uh it's like in this little room it's like a side room almost and then there's like there's a glass on the wall and then we're like looking down almost um as two of the mormons uh taking him and sort of dunking him in and out in and out he's dressed in this boiler suit looking like michael myers without the mask we're all like this is weird it's funny it's very funny but it's weird um that did we he, could be here for such a special day did he do the whole plug the nose and like you know how some people they can't just go underwater they have to hold hold on guys before you dunk me again let me just plug my nose real quick and then you can repeat your hymns or your says and then i'll go back underwater he had a little plug in there um if i remember correctly he got dunked a few times as well so i don't know if they could just smell the deceit on him the heathen and we're trying to just bathe the fuck out of him um but he he got a stern dunking if i remember uh obviously prior to the um the big ceremony where we're singing hymns and uh just reading out of this book and we're all just trying not to laugh we're trying to take it so seriously we were just like this is this is the strangest day and i'm not even the one being baptized this makes you feel like you could start your own religion if you just pick like a random stranger, let's say a 360 pound like bodybuilder type where he just picks you up like a fucking child and just keeps dunking you over and over and over again. It's like, so what's the point of this one? It's just like, oh, you just basically get drastically manhandled by a giant bodybuilder dunked in and out of water to your sins are cleansed. And you're like, okay, well, how, yep. how do you know the sins are cleansed? Well, whenever he just feels like he gets tired and has to eat like chicken and rice out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, some people would pay a lot of money for a, for a kink like that. We're doing it for free. Get the boiler suit on. Get in the bathtub. You're getting dunked, Steve. Get down with it. Oh, my God. It's like when you describe <laughs> anything, you can make it sound like it can either sound normal or it can sound really freaking weird, man. Like, um, Like describing any of like Liam Neeson, for instance, if you describe any of his films where it's like a guy goes and gets a father or a father's going to go get his daughter back from a couple of people that were taken. It's a trafficking thing. Nicolas Cage has the same exact films, but it's not described that way on Netflix. Every time I read one's like somebody has stolen his wife and he has one opportunity. And it's just a whole bunch of stuff where it's like this movie sounds really freaky. Like it doesn't sound normal. He's got like four of them where he's coming to go get his wife back or something. I'm like, why is everybody like? you would think he would be like normal people and be like, at least she's out of the house for a little while. <laughs> it, this is like another weird thing about Cage because it's almost like if any other actor um, sort of took the roles or the films that he did, I don't think anyone would bat an eyelid. But when you put Nicolas Cage into that scenario and you will almost kind of have to call it like um, the Nicolas Cage random family guy scenario generator. It's like Nicolas Cage is a, in a, during a, and then you're like, well, well yeah, of course he is. Of course that's what Nicolas Cage is doing. But if you put Liam Neeson into a face-off situation or a Con Air situation, you wouldn't bat an eye and you'd think, oh yeah, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Liam Neeson's doing the thing. But because Cage is doing it, then it becomes this um, mad, wild thing. And I think it's because he's, it's, it's, it's so weird to sort he's of. He's not uh, niched in anything. I think that's why people can't really peg him down anywhere because he can be a good guy and a bad guy compared to Liam Neeson. You kind of think of he's either like a super good guy or that's usually what you think of him as. It's like a Jack Reacher type, you know, like same thing with Tom Cruise. It's usually the good guy he's playing, like the impossible spy or something. Mike Myers is the gold member goof, you know, Austin Powers and all that. But Nicolas Cage just can't narrow down. I haven't seen him in a long time. Like that 
the the new movie that's coming out um where he's at the amusement park where he's trapped in there that's the the newest thing I've seen him in, I don't know if he's just switched to like a different streaming service, but that fit him to a T. And before even that came out, there was the Netflix thing, which I think really sparked his popularity now, which is where he's like, it's for the cursing one where he just starts saying, fuck you. I'm like, from what I've been saying for years, Netflix finally decided to make a whole entire show about the history of cursing. And they, they picked the perfect guy who you really don't see cursed a whole lot in his movies. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like he's got this um, like a cage renaissance almost. It's like this. I can't really call it a comeback because he's been making films consistently since the early eighties. Like he's 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 like Bigfoot. He's always been there in the background, like this cardboard cutout. Um, <laughs> but he's always been there. He's always been making films. There's big stretch in sort of the twenty tens where a lot of them were um, straight to DVD and video on demand and that. But recently he's um, like I said, had this resurgence in popularity. I've seen History of Swear Words launched at the start of this year on Netflix, just like a really short kind of bite-sized six Literally when that episodes. came out, I thought of you. I literally thought of your <laughs> podcast page. I was like, oh, I know this is just extra content for him. I mean, because after a while you hear about shows that have been discontinued and like actors for even that just get out of the spotlight. Like Brendan Fraser with The Mummy, man. Hot as shit. Good looking guy lasted in some pretty good blockbusters. And then he was just gone because of the health issue. Then he comes back to do doom patrol and he just doesn't look the same. Nicholas cage was gone for a while. I mean, I remember seeing him in knowing I've seen him in like everything back when I was a kid. And there's just a couple of years where I don't know if he switched to a streaming platform and then we see him rise right back up again. Like I'm hoping Nickelback's coming back. <laughs> I mean, he, he still had a few, um, you know, big hits in, in, in the years. Like I say, with, um, with the 2010s, I think due to a lot of um, the financial situation of Cage behind the scenes had to do just like a lot of um, straight to DVD guff um, in the, the nicest possible term to pay off some debts and, and the like of that there. But in the last few years, I mean, he's had, say, um, yeah, voice role in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He's had Mandy. Uh, he's had Color Out of Space. Obviously, Willy's Wonderland. That's coming up and seems to have like a... a um, a big wave of support from the horror community underneath it as well. He's this actor who kind of comes in um, it, 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 like periods almost uh, because at the start of his career, he was doing a lot of say like uh, dramas and romance pieces. Um, they had a few sort of arty things of like raising Arizona had the action period in the mid nineties with uh, the rock con air face off. Um, but he, he's one of these people um I don't think he really likes to be confined to a genre because you can think, oh, okay, after Connor, like, well, you're you're a bona fide action star now. I mean, that series of three films, The Rock, Connor, and Face Off, are enough to put you on the map as a bona fide action star. There's no reason why he wouldn't have been up there with the um, your Stallones, your Schwarzeneggers, your Dolph Lundgrens, if we want to throw Big Dolph in there. Um, but then, like, it's like right after that. Right after Connor, he's doing um, what was it? It was eight millimeter. He's doing bringing out the dead. Uh, right at the face of he did City of Angels, which was a love story about him as an angel who comes to Earth and falls in love with Meg Ryan because he thinks that he's sinner and he just peeps her for two hours. I mean, if you talk about two completely contrasting films, that's kind of what I um, really enjoy about him. Is like you, you just don't know what the next film. Is going to be um, because he, and I, 
and again, I, I sort of say this in not trying to be pretentious, but he, I think he appreciates the the art of acting and not sort of the, um, I guess what we see from the outside looking in as like the, uh, oh, acting must be great. You're a celebrity. You're going to all these red carpets in all these interviews. He's still a man who puts the craft before everything else. And there's integrity there, which I really admire as well. Well, you said he hits his period. It seems like he's like he was set in the perfect time in the beginning, like back in the day when there wasn't a whole lot of big blockbusters. Like, like there's so many more movies nowadays. It's really hard to keep track of everything. But like then it's like it's coming back. Like there was just a lull period of a couple of years where he just wasn't really doing like you didn't really hear a whole lot about him. It seemed like Leonardo DiCaprio was like some big news. You know, Brad Pitt was like some big news. But he strikes me as that actor where he could be the rock level famous if he would have started to like a certain genre like but he did all the very serious movies like the styles you would see like with like dogma or something like that that were kind of like touching on the religious little bit movies but more of like blockbuster hits but then there was just that lull period but the rock has like been every single option thrown his way has been like let me hop on that then he hooked onto the disney scene and that I don't think anybody predicted that the Marvel universe or DC or any of that would take off like it did. So if you hit that, I feel like now we're coming up on like another terraforming of like a whole nother era period where it's maybe going to be like crackle hits like Joe dirt two was on crackle. Willie's wonderland, the way it's filmed seems like a crackle style thing, not like a whole like Michael Bay production, which I think is why it works for Nicolas Cage because he stands above all of that filming with the directing style of it. I was looking at it. I was like, it's, it's okay. Directing. It's not like Michael Bay style, but they got Nick cage and he like blows it out of the fucking water with that, that quality that kind of like seems like secondary production on him is fucking perfect. Cause it highlights his overall acting position. Definitely. I mean, I think he's an actor as well because he has such, um, I guess a, a perception around him that he takes any role and that he's known for, um, you know, screaming and losing his shit in a lot of roles as well. There's a lot of films where you you can sort of see, oh, maybe they just want Nicolas Cage for the sake of it being Nicolas Cage. Um, but then you get other films when um, he can sort of, he can match the energy, the film can match his energy, and it's just like the perfect kind of unison kind of thing. Um, but when cage is sort of used right if you're wanting to go and i say full cage if you can use him in the right way then you've got um a really good film on your hands because i think he's especially in this um in this period in 2021 he's he's aware of the perception on him he sort of knows how he's sort of seen um i think there was a dvd extra on into the spider-verse when he was doing obviously the voice acting in the booth then someone said um oh can we um get, get like a bit more out of you and he was like oh you want me to go full cage um, so he he knows how people see him um but I, and I think he's at a point now where he can be a bit more um selective with his roles he seems to be doing a bit more um not so much sci-fi but more horror stuff as well because with mandy which is like this uh, sort of cosmic horror the way it's described it was like this perfect unison of like this um uh crazy story and this crazy actor but nothing was bigger than the other one uh it's the same with like with his wonderland having seen that as well you would think um i guess from the trailer as well that this could be the perfect cage vehicle and don't get me wrong i think he's perfect for the role i don't he's one of those roles you see it and when you 
knows certain things about Cage. I don't know that anyone else could have brought the justice to hit that, uh, that he brings to it. Um, uh, and he's, he acts, and in Woody's Wonderland, it's all physicality because obviously um, by the time this goes out, this episode, Woody's Wonderland will be released to the world. Um, he has no dialogue in that film at all. He doesn't say a single word. Um, the most you get from him is like, um, but everything about him, everything you need to know about the character is uh, communicated physically. It's seen through his emotions. It's seen through his expressions. Um, and I think, obviously, you know, I'm no actor. I'm no expert at acting. I sort of never claim to be a film expert by any means. But um, you know, conveying emotions through lines is one thing. Conveying a story with no lines and still telling that story must be a completely different challenge as well. And it says to me that, you know, 40 or so years, 40 plus years in the game, um, it would be very easy again for Cage to settle into a certain role, like we're saying, take certain films, take an easy paycheck. Um, but, you know, we have a guy 40 years into the business, 57 years of age, who still wants these roles that excite him, that challenge him, that motivate him, um, and that to still learn, be a student of the game, do stuff different all this time later. Uh, and again, I just think it's just incredibly admirable. Um, like at this stage, he's got nothing to prove to anyone. Like uh, yeah. I, I'm a Nick Cage podcast. Obviously I'm biased and I'm just a man who thinks he's the greatest thing who's ever existed. Uh, pretty fucking good. Me. I'm not going to lie. He's pretty um, good. And if your listeners disagree, um, at me, I dare you. Fight me, um, bro. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you my UK coordinates if you can get in post-Brexit good luck <laughs> um, but I just think you know it's um, it, it's it's great that even now we still don't know what's coming up and when you get these descriptions of the new roles that are coming out everything's still so different and so exciting and that's um, he hasn't sold out fun. that's the thing is he hasn't been like a lot of actors nowadays like the weirdest thing that happened even bringing back to john travolta for instance in the beginning of this pandemic when everyone's sitting there like trying their best to get unemployment and struggling and losing their businesses and people are getting like really upset and depressed he just comes on and goes hey everybody follow my son's tiktok and then says his son's tiktok and then hops off that's it no message of like hey we're here with you like a lot of actors were creating messages of like peace saying we stand with you we all these things and it was like do you like do you really care you're just doing that because we you haven't been working in a very long time because coronavirus has kind of halted everything and it's like nick cage never did that and nick cage the factor of that willie's wonderland movie is the best concept for a movie because it's not a dude being afraid of being stuck in a fucking amusement park it's a dude that's gonna like okay I'll show you who's more badass and beating the shit out of these animatronic machines and stuff. And I feel like the normal that we would have seen would have been some dude that's deathly afraid trying to survive the horror basic flick template. And this one's like, no, this is Nick Cage going off. Like, hey, he's just going to fucking show these animatronics. He doesn't give a shit. He's here to get paid. <laughs> I think um, I've, I've been watching a few interviews about Wendy's Wonderland with uh, Geo Parsons, the writer of the film. And he's done nothing but sing uh, Nicholas Cage's praises, obviously with the Hollywood machine, whatever you want to call it, from the conception of a film to it being created and being the film that we get in the the cinema on demand, whatever. Um, obviously, through editing and budgetary constraints, things have to change and 
compromises have to be made. Um, but he was saying that sort of the studios and the producers wanted to make qu some quite hefty um, edits and changes during production. But when Nicolas Cage came on board, he said, like, look, the script I was given by Geo Parsons is the script I want to make. If you want to change that, then you don't have me on board. I'll take my talents elsewhere. Um, so he was very defensive of the script and of uh, Geo Parsons' vision. And he sort of gone on record and said, that's like, uh, I think it's second to him getting married. That's like the coolest thing anyone's ever done. Um, How do you typically feel about an actor putting their foot down over like a role, like standing for their morals? Like, I mean, because we're in a we're in a fame money driven world, you know, you see a lot of movies where someone's like he just took it because the paycheck like Johnny Depp, anything he does, it's good. But it's also an aspect of like that dude owns 36 fucking houses. So you kind of have to make a couple Pirates of the Caribbean, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, I mean, if 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 a Joe Schmoe like me could be offered a Pirates of the Caribbean, then I'd, I'd take it. I'd start my morals in a heartbeat because I'm a scumbag. Um, but I think it, it kind of, sometimes it depends on the film. And I mean, I think sometimes when you watch a film, you can tell if you can, you get a feeling, uh, you get a vibe if it's not quite there, I think. And obviously you can read the stories and say, you know, behind the scenes drama this and drama that. Uh, I think it depends on why is an actor is putting their foot down. If it's um, something like, I guess, an artistic integrity or someone who believes in the script, um, then it's obviously it's very noble thing to do, um, and then you can you can kind of get behind that. But if it's some kind of bullshit, I suppose when an actor saying if they're doing it for their own self gain and it's not for the people around them, um, that's kind of when they align has to be drawn, I think, because um, I think you'll, you'll get those prima donnas in, in, the, uh, in the acting business, obviously, because uh, you're acting as the camera on you, you're on a cinema. Of course, it's like an attention thing, but I think some people, if you can't sort of um, separate yourself from the medium almost, and it becomes about you rather than the project, then... Yeah then there's definitely issues there i think I, I think i can i can understand like imagine you're being an actor and you're just taking every single script that comes your way in the hopes that a lot of those will be nominated for like an oscar or something that maybe you could possibly win one but nick cage is like no he's he, he, yeah it'd probably be nice for him to get like an oscar or something but at the same time he's not like leonardo dicaprio where it's like that dude's in fucking everything like he's picking and he's trying to see what guest role would fit him the best if he was going to pick one and it's like that's what i respect out of it because how many people you see like just make a film and you're like that wasn't the best work you know what i mean it's like you start to realize the dude's got eight, like the rock was in like eight films in a year and yeah he's good but after a while you're like some of these movies aren't like you're not giving you're giving me too much the rock where's the i want a little <laughs> bit less than him right now yeah i think one of my and i don't even know if this is a hot take this is a lukewarm dip your elbow in the bath to make sure it's fine for the baby take um the rock i love the rock that me wrong i'm a huge wrestling fan i sort of watched wrestling during the um prestigious and overly glorified attitude area when um look at that right there um when everyone everyone loved it um i say everyone mostly guys um and i think the rock obviously outside of cinema and when you see him on Instagram, um, very generous, altruistic person, uh, using his fame for nothing but good, as far as I can see. So as a person, 
Um, I have no umbrage, no issue with you got rock fatigue, Johnson. bro. We all get rock fatigue. I got Kevin Hart fatigue, dude. I was like, Jesus, I've seen enough of Kevin Hart right now. <laughs> I mean, you mean to be fair, rock fatigue, heart fatigue, give me some paper or scissors to cover that rock or whatever. Um, but I just think, I think he's a fine actor, but I just don't. And maybe he's selective in movies in terms of, you know, obviously this day and age, as of recording, he's one of the biggest actors in the world, if not the biggest. But I honestly don't know that he's ever made a great film. There's good films, great popcorn films, things you can just watch and enjoy. And he's a bona fide action star. Of course he is. Um, but if there's one thing, if there's, I can't think of a film where I could sit back and be like, man, that's just that, what a fantastic performance from The Rock. That's, Oscar worthy. That's Golden Globe worthy. That's um, outstanding. Um, I think. But they fit him perfectly for. Price. They picked him for a superhero film. Black Adam. They wanted to play. I'm like, why don't they give a superhero film to Nick Cage? We saw him in Kick Ass. He was pretty good as the dad. Now imagine if you could put him in for a superhero role. There's got to be one out there they could fill, like an assassin position or something. Definitely. Well, I mean, obviously, say Nick Cage, obviously, um, uh, Big Daddy in Kick-Ass, Ghost Rider, one and two, old That's Johnny Blaze. one of my favorite movies, but yet everyone's like, oh, it was shit. I was like, no, it was not. He did perfect. <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought he was great. I remember I, um, a friend of mine, Ben Shannon, who has, uh, by this point, been on the podcast to talk about Gone in 60 Seconds, we actually went to the cinema to watch Ghost Rider 2 Spirits of Vengeance in 2012. Um, and we ended up just making notes of all the times that uh, Ghost Rider Johnny Blaze just had these like ridiculous lines. And it's the second one, I really enjoyed it. I have a soft spot for it. I liked it was it. so like deliciously over the top and like ludicrous. But it's like you're a, you're a fucking demon guy with a flaming skull head driving around on a hell bike. You can't have a normal film and try to make this make sense. It's a ridiculous concept. Of course, you need to learn an over-the-top actor who can rise to the challenge. And that man's Nicolas Cage. I mean, there was um there was a, a, a sequence in a diner from, and it's been about 10 years since I've seen the film, uh, when I think they had to protect like this hell child or something, and I'm grossly misremembering the film. The Antichrist. Um, that's the Antichrist, because of course it is demons. Um, and they're in a diner or something, and he's having these thoughts about like being a father figure, and then he just reaches over the table to stroke this boy's face, and the kid's like, What the fuck are you doing? And he's I think his line was, Oh, I thought I saw a bee on your face and i was howling in the cinema like yes of course was a fucking bee on your face why should it make sense yes um i can see where people have a lot of problem from it from that example but i i thoroughly enjoyed the at least the parts that i really remember from it it has been a while since i've seen it but it is one of those movies where like where he's screaming on the bike and he's laughing really really hard you just see his skull start turning into the ghost rider thing i'm like it's that's just the best fit person. I couldn't think of anybody else where I'm like, they should get him in another movie like that, or at least give him a superhero position because he could easily fill up something in the MCU or something in the DC universe. I mean, but he just strikes me as that guy. He's like, I'm fine with taking these fucking crackle movies or something like that. I'm like, really? Like you, there's gotta be a turnaround for him. Like it's, I believe him and Nickelback are going to be like the newest things in 2021. I mean, if Nickelback's launch would come back, I would not be surprised. I mean, if you look and you love a Nickelback, Nicholas Cage, Nicholas back, if you like, cross up, 
um, Drive Angry, where he has ch- fucking Chad Kroger hair, and it's never explained, just bleach blonde, long, unnecessary, disgusting, but, oh, chef's kiss. Give me more of that on a plate. Veins, now, in. Give you all of it. Is this how you talk about Nick in your episodes? Like you just focus on specific movies. You point out his qualities, you point out the things that people probably aren't seeing. Cause like I said, I, I like national treasure, even though people hate that fucking movie and they hate a lot of the stuff he's been in. I mean, most movies I like people really, really don't like at all. Yeah. I mean, on the podcast, I mean, it didn't used to be, but now it's um, sort of bringing on like guests just like to talk about the films and stuff. And it's very tongue in cheek. Um, because some of these films, I mean, look, I love Nicolas Cage. I think, I hope I've made that quite clear at this point uh, in, in speaking with you. But some films, you know, they are what they are, which is a very, um, a very generous way of saying some of them are fucking shit. Um, but obviously, you, you have to take some things at face value. Um, and just highlighting the, the ridiculousness of some of these films as well. Because like I said, a lot of it goes back to, it seems like the Nicolas Cage family guy, random scenario generator. Um, But some of them are just ridiculous. Obviously he's got some stellar work in there. Um, But this all comes into, again, I think this, this, um, I'd say quite unjustified perception of him because a lot of people will write him off. I think he's a bad actor. He takes any films. All he does is scream. He can't act. And I think it's ridiculous to try and remind people that actors can act, it's kind of what they do. Um, but 1995, we go back to that, leaving Las Vegas, where he won the Oscar and the Golden Globe for Best Actor, uh, nominated for Best Actor Awards for 2002's adaptation. Um, and a fact I love to bring up, in now the sadly defunct Blockbuster Entertainment Awards, no one held more Blockbuster Entertainment Awards than Nicolas Cage. That's a fact. That's a Wikipedia fact, and you can look it up. Uh, what, what a man. What a guy. What Wikipedia a is a great reference to go to. And if and if you think I'm not credible because I use Wikipedia, just ask me for my coordinates. Come over here, and uh, we'll, we'll have a gentleman's scuffle. I'll roll my sleeves up, put my chin out. We'll go Bridgerton on you, not in a sexual way. He can cross from a cop to be a supervillain. Now, if you could choose a movie that Nick Cage has made that you would like to spend your whole entire life in, what would it be? Because I'm a big fan of knowing that one where he could see the future of some. Imagine that you got a piece of paper you dug out of a time capsule that has every tragic event happening. You could choose to prevent <laughs> it or not. Uh, oh, that's a good question. What Cage verse would I want to live in? Um... I suppose by the end of knowing, though, uh, the world's destroyed. And unless you're a child getting put onto like this tree of life planet, then you're kind of fucked. Um, so it'd be, you know, good to know. But how, how do you prepare for like a, that, the world exploding unless you're Elon Musk and jetting off to Mars? Um, national treasure could be fun. Uh, I mean, again, I don't know the first thing about history, and a lot of it is American Dude, history. But imagine a Where's Waldo book, but your life is that, and it happens to do with the government. That would suck ass to live in. Oh man, just have to go find, just find yourself. Like, oh, that's, how that's hasn't he spirit. played like Jesus or Moses in a movie yet? He has the perfect face to play like somebody that would have a biblical storm coming that he'd have to save you from. Because you can't play yourself. Come on now. Fuck. Uh, think about it. Go on. Think about these questions, man. When you are God, that's just blasphemous. <laughs> are, you ins- are you insane? <laughs> what are you saying? 
Are you, are you insane th- or are you Nicolas Cage insane? Um, there used to be a line. There isn't any more. Uh, when you've watched as many films as I have, um, it changes a man. You don't come back from that. And I regret nothing. It's funny because you said like he kind of rolls with the whole like because I'm Nick Cage type references. I'm like, I feel like when all those memes came out, it's kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio where it's like you got turned into a meme god where you are solidified throughout like me- the meme verse as being like this perfect reference or thing. That's the same thing with Nick Cage. That's better than like Will Smith when he got memed when he was crying over his um his wife in that one uh, interview that they did recently. Now everyone remembers that crying gif of Will Smith and not Fresh Prince. I'm like, thank God it was something good with Leonardo (laughs) DiCaprio and Nick Cage, not something bad. Yeah, obviously uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has been immortalized when it was the, I can't think of the name of the film, uh, the the Tarantino film where he's, um, oh, that one as well. There's, there's There's two that I'm thinking of. Obviously there's that one where it's like, Obviously, for the vent, but the, the benefit if, if you're watching this on YouTube, that <laughs> yeah. one. Um, if you're listening to this audio, you've missed out on a great reference. That's Django. Uh, that's Django Unchained, and then there's one. Once upon a time in Hollywood, I think it is when he's like in the yellow oh, shirt and he's sat down pointing. I'm pretty sure that's Wolf of Wall Street. Is it Wall Street? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I um, haven't seen the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm pretty sure I might remember. You might have to Google that one. Put it up on the old wiki. I know. I feel. I feel like I need to. I need to. I haven't Google. seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet, but I've seen like the only thing I think I saw was like the clip scene where he fought Bruce Lee. Brad Pitt did. Um, is just, it I'm just? Uh, oh no, you're right. I think it is Wolf of Wall Street. I, I apologize. My meme was off. Um, I will lash myself seven times for such an egregious error. Um. But like you say, with, with Cage, I think he's he's someone else who he's been, um, not that he's, from what I've read, that he's always understood the memes, but he's embraced them. Um, one of the main references of one is a film from Vampire's Kiss, which when we talk about Cage films uh, and a Cage performance, it's up there with, say, The Wick Man as arguably one of the, the cagiest of the Cage performances uh, because he was sort of utilising German expressionism and just basically very physical, doing what he wanted. Um, and there's one where he's sat in an office and his hair's all like slicked back and his like, head's like protruding and his eyes are really wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he said that um, basically if you ever get a chance to just listen to the DVD commentary of that, because Cage doesn't do a lot of DVD commentary, but he did for that one with the director. Um, and he said before in interviews that Vampire's Kiss was one of his personal favourite films to make because he could... Like I say, the German expressionism, he could push himself as an actor. He said he did that face purely for the reason that he wanted to see how big he could make his eyes. And if that's not acting integrity and pushing yourself, then I don't know what is. Do you think that, have you ever played the game Saints Row? I play, I've played them on and off. I definitely played the first one, but I, I know the series. about to say the fourth one is where he's, you get to be the president. I'm like, that could be Nick Cage perfectly. Imagine a president that's like, sir, aliens are attacking. He just hits a fucking panel with his elbow and guns just start pulling out of the freaking White House. And he's like, I got this. And he pulls a cigar out or something like that's perfect Nick Cage. I mean, that is, if that's not a dream role, Nicholas Cage, the president, um, 
not just of the United States, <laughs> of our hearts. Um, I would love that, just to that slap that red button, table flips, just like machine guns, rocket launchers, whatever you want. He's got like some exoskeleton uh, fucking robot suit and he's firing rockets out. Um, outstanding, outstanding work. And I want it, I need it, and I hope it happens. Do you think that there's any movies out there now or back in the past that could have been replaced and put him in there to make it a lot better? Like, do you think he probably could have maybe influenced a certain movie? Um, the easy answer is all of them. Um, but really, needs- Pirates of the Caribbean, you think he would fit in there? <laughs> I think he would. He could be Blackbeard for sure. I think he generally would if he's just like, um, land ahoy. I mean, are you telling me that doesn't that doesn't get your cogs whirring? Uh, you're not into that. Oh my God! Who would want to be on a ship with Nicolas Cage for more than a week? That would be scary as hell. You want to talk about? Of course, you have your hand raised. <laughs> Obviously, I want to be on that ship. Are you crazy? Are you I feel like after a while, you'd be like, "Oh my God, what the hell is he saying?" It's like well, you go batshit crazy after being on the water for so long. That's why they saw mermaids as they were missing their wives so much. Imagine being on a ship with Nick Cage. He could play Christopher Columbus. He could. I mean, what couldn't he play? I mean. Christopher Columbus discovering America. Fuck it, Neil Armstrong, get him up there on the moon. That was going to be the example I was going to use too, was Neil Armstrong. <laughs> but I was like, I don't see him being the guy that would land on the moon. I think he would be like more like Buzz Aldrin. Why don't I get to go to the moon? It's like, no, shut up. Neil's going. <laughs> I'm going to fuck the moon. I mean, I don't know if he would, if that's kind of the line, what he would, what he would do. That's as drastic as he would take it. And you'd be okay with that. You wouldn't be like, whoa. Like, you know, when someone drops a curse word, you're like, whoa, are you angry? You wouldn't do that with Nick Cage. You're like, that's Nick Cage. I mean, it, someone said this to me before. It's like, what, what would it take to surprise you about Nicolas Cage now? And I've said, you know, you could tell me that Nicolas Cage is the fucking Zodiac killer. And I'd be like, <laughs> classic Cage. Um, if there was a Kevin Spacey scandal about Nick Cage, I don't think anybody would be surprised or care. Oh, not at all. But see, all, all of this being said, though, obviously, you know, saying what would be the great roles for him? Um, and obviously this perception that he takes roles, but it's not entirely true because there's a lot of roles that he's nearly had or didn't take that a lot of people sort of... Um, don't know about i mean obviously the the, the greatest example was that um and you can find this if you google nicholas cage superman he was very very nearly superman yeah. in the kevin smith scripted uh tim burton directed death of superman that was uh, a good this, choice though he did look okay in the suit to take pictures in but i wouldn't have scripted him for that movie he just didn't he does not fit a superman type he fits more of like a Another, some other superhero or something maybe like you could do him with a batman for sure i mean maybe um Affleck I mean, like wasn't even that bad as batman to be honest with you i just i like christian bale version better yeah i, th- I think obviously the christopher nolan trilogy is such um such a shining example of how to uh not say how to do superhero films but for a character like batman such like a, a flawless trilogy that dc is kind of st- been trying to replicate dc just can't get its tone right and now they've got the fucking what is it there the four hour Zack snyder cut of justice league coming out i think it's like it's four fucking hours it's apparently four hours and it's kind of like for me in the same vein as avatar 2 they've been talking about avatar 2 for like 50 years now costing like two billion dollars to make man 
It's like, is, does anyone still care about Avatar 2, 3, no. or 4? I didn't care when the first Avatar came out. We just blew people fucking trees. I'm you're, over it. You're one person out of a lot of people that really cared or didn't care about that movie because that movie was one of the only ones that have caused a severe amount of depression amongst people, like where people <laughs> were fucking upset because they saw, like, every time humankind goes to another planet, they fuck it up. Like, that was the biggest impact from the movie. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that wasn't James Cameron's idea at all but we kind of just took it in that way it's like i saw avatar and obviously this is at the point when um i think 3d was meant to be the next big boom in cinema that was meant to be the next big selling point but i just watched it was just like eight foot tall blue people just like tail fucking and getting hard-ons over trees what's not to love what are you talking about I mean, if it was Nick Cage getting a hard and getting that's a fucking loof, and then like fucking yes, I'll have some of that. But um, the blue, I don't know. If if I'm going to talk about blue people, then it's going to be like Eiffel 65 song, like Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Die. That's oh where I draw God, the line. You fucking threw that one in. I can't. I haven't heard that song in ages. I'm raising the roof right now, just for um, <laughs> just to let you know if you're listening to this on audio. You could, I think, the best superhero for Nick Cage to play though would be not Wolverine, but Wolverine's brother, Sabretooth. The other guy in the universe, he strikes me as like he could have been Wolverine if Hugh Jackman wasn't. He could have easily fit that with the hair already kind of there. But if you did him as Sabretooth, a little bit more like grown out version of Wolverine, perfect. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, I mean, again, I think he's he's more definitely this day and age very selective about films. Obviously, using Mandy as a reference, um, Cosmos Pasmatos, who directed the film, initially wanted him as the bad guy in it um, to be like the cult leader, but he was like, "No, not interested. Don't really have anything in common." He was like, "Oh, the the, the good guy, Red Miller, he's like I feel a connection there." So that's have um sort of a long kind of debate about the whole thing, um, but I. Th- I th- kind of think he likes playing good guys he'll do a bad guy i think if there's something in it for him in in terms of a challenge um i mean another one of the examples i love giving is that nick cage was i guess in terms of good guys here he was almost uh aragorn in the lord of the rings trilogy but turned it down because he didn't want to be away from his family in new zealand for those extended stretches of time um he was very nearly cast as Shrek until Mike Myers got the role. But I think this came at a time when he was very, um, uh, there's certainly a period like the mid 2000s going into the 10s when he was, he was obviously a family man at this point, a father. He was very conscious of how he came across because he wanted to be a good family man. So he was taking a lot more family films, like, like the National Treasures, like they were saying, possibly why he took Ghost Rider. He's obviously a massive comic book fan. Um, Named his second son Kal-El after Superman. Um, and that's why he's got the name Nick Cage after Luke Cage as well. Um, he was, what else? He was, um, I believe he turned down Dumb and Dumber alongside Jim Carrey that's to do Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, obviously, he got the Oscar for it, so it paid off in the end. Um, I think he was almost the star of The Matrix as well. He was almost Neo in The Matrix. Um but similar to Lord of the Rings, he didn't want to go to, didn't want to travel across, didn't want to go to Australia to do it. How did Keanu slip in that fucking slip in the simulation where he's just like gifted as everybody's lover boy or everybody's like, oh, it's Keanu Reeves, the badass. I'm like, there could have easily been a slip between Bill and Ted's adventure where he was the dumbass. You know what I mean? 
it's it's interesting with Keanu Reeves because he's he's someone else who's been around for I think a lot longer than people remember or give him credit for. Uh, obviously, so way back that's obviously got speed under his belt, which is one of the I think arguably the big trend-setting action films of the '90s, and had like a lot of um, imitators on the back of that. You can argue Con Air is like a speed imitation. Uh, it's obviously a, a plane with convicts on it, sort of coming down. Um, but Keanu Reeves, like he did all these different roles as well. He's done the comedy, he's done the drama. He obviously has the the action backlog in there with like The Matrix as well. You could sort of see his career as one that could have gone a different way. I think there's a lot of similarities with um, Reeves and Cage, certainly, um, because I think a lot of the stuff they do, they like to keep themselves to themselves. Obviously, yeah. Cage. Other than these outlandish stories, you hear about him buying dinosaur bones, uh, traveling to the UK to pursue the Holy Grail. Because um, why not? Because why wouldn't you pursue the Holy Grail if you were Nicolas Cage? Uh, I'm going to drink my blood out of that chalice. It's like, yes, you are, Nick. <laughs> yes, you are. That's just a delicious human. Is that is that be positive? Um, he could play a cannibal in a movie, dude, and you would not give a shit. I've said it on the podcast before. If, and I don't know what circumstances would lead up to this scenario in my head, but if he turned up at my door one day and was like, Daryl, I can't explain, but I need your bones. And I'd be like, yes, master. And then just um, give myself to Cage Senpai, my lord and savior, obviously. I agree with you 100%. I was thinking that too, right? When you said it, I was like, yeah, if he asked for my leg or something, I really would not have a question. Like, people are freaking out because Army Hammer asked for his ex girlfriend's lower ribs so he could eat them. And it's like, if Nick Cage asked, you'd be like, sure. Like, if that even came out, it wouldn't even be a scandal. Nick Cage would be like, yeah, I did because I was hungry. And it's like, okay, <laughs> fucking method actor, man. Yeah, it's like, well, this, this, um, this sounds in character. This sounds like the kind of thing you would ask for. So I'm not upset and I'm not surprised. Um, what go is, for it. What is a least favorite movie of yours by Nick Cage? And then what is your all-time favorite? Oh, good question. This is kind of one that I think depending on the day, it could change. Um, he's definitely had some, like say, some stinkers in the 2010s. Uh, for some reason on Netflix in the UK, the 1% Rotten Tomato rated Left Behind is still on there. Um, that one, even though it is fucking horseshit, it's basically um, an apocalyptic rapture-based film, a Christian subgenre where it's focusing on the rapture, where people like a Thanos snap in Avengers just disappear. Um, it was just a horseshit film. The only reason he took it is because his brother is a priest in real life, was a big fan of the books these were based on. So he basically he took a fucking hit like a champ and did it for family because that's the kind of guy he is. Um, but even that's got a whole uh, so bad, you can just laugh at it and sort of find your way through it. And I think worst, I mean, it's not even that it's so much a bad film, but there was a quite an early film we did in the 85, 86 called The Boy in Blue, which again, it's not that it's a bad film. It's just a story that didn't need to be told. Very boring. He stars as... Um, Ned Hanlon, who was uh, a very famous Canadian rower. Um, you think, okay, sports films, sometimes you've got, you know, the zero to hero thing. It's a, sort of the classic sports trope. But it's an, frustrating because at the start of the film, he's good at rowing. 
in the middle he's good at rowing by the end of the film he's the best at rowing he wins all the races um he's he's sleeping with women like no tomorrow i mean good for him good for you ned hanlon um but there's no there's no drama there's no obstacle to overcome it's just a guy who's good continues to be good by the end of the film is still really good and then the only reason to watch this film now is if you're an idiot like me and watching all the Nicolas Cage films because that's what lockdown has driven you to. Um, but that one is just very, very, very boring. Very, you would very call boring. it the Eddie, the Eddie the Eagle of uh, Nicolas Cage films, which is that one with Hugh Jackman where he played that snow or a ski instructor or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's probably some other stinkers in there, but some of them they come under the classification of being very cagey films. So you can just give them a pass because you know what you're going to get. Deadfall is a great example um, of cage being peak cage, just screaming, being over the top, being unintentionally the best thing about the film because he's so ridiculous to the backdrop of a terrible film that he becomes instantly watchable. Um I, th- I think if you've seen the video on YouTube, Nicholas Cage losing his shit, and that might be where a lot of people get their ideas about him because they've not watched enough films to know that he's actually a good actor. Yeah. Um, that features in there quite heavily. Um, but for now, The Boy in Blue, but again, if you ask me in a week or a year, it might change. Um, in terms of favourite films, um, I mean, obviously... What is the testosterone trilogy, The Rock, Face Off, Con Air? Those are solid action films. Can't go wrong with those. Um, Mandy, I really, really enjoy um, because it's so different and so sort of visceral and so visually intense and pleasing. Um, Adaptation, obviously, it got so much awards. Um, uh, Praise didn't win... For Nicolas Cage, which in 2002, and I've said it on the podcast before, actually that being said, um, my episode on adaptation went up very recently. He lost the BAFTA to Daniel Day-Lewis for Gangs of New York. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Fuck Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, I saw that hashtag. I was I agreed with it. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Um, the real ones get it. Um, the Day-Lewis fans, make your own podcast, you fucking losers. <laughs> um, adaptation is a, a great film, uh, directed by Spike Jones, written by Charlie Kaufman. It's like a film about making a film, and you're also watching the film being made at the same time. It's a film Cage within a film, twins. bro. It's a film within a film. It's like Inception before Inception, God damn it. Uh, and Cage is playing twins, Charlie and Donald, and he just fucking smashes it out of the park. This kind of comes into something I've touched on before where there's a lot of films where I think the actor's so recognisable. Um, like a Cage, for example, you don't always see the character. Um, you can see a character or you can see Nicolas Cage playing a character. But in this, you forget you're watching Nicolas Cage. You see, um, you're fully invested in the character of the Kaufman twins. And it's superbly active, brilliantly written, uh, so well directed. Um, it's just an instantly replayable and rewatchable film uh but that also being said i now fucking love willie's wonderland as well um it'd be probably one of my favorites too i suspect it will be like if you like a sort of b movie kind of horror if you like it's got some evil sort of evil dead vibes in there um it's it's over the top when it needs to be there's a lot of um 
wanton violence and animatronic destruction. Um, obviously, if you take it at face value, don't try to overanalyze it. It's big, dumb fun. Um, which Just Buy a ticket and sit back and relax. Sit back, relax in 2021. We've had a stinker of a 2020. 2021, it could go either way right now. It's not looking promising, but just let this film just take your mind off of things for 90 minutes um, and you won't regret it. You can have a good time. Well, where can people find you at, Daryl? Um, you can find me in your heart and minds. Uh, <laughs> but if, if you want something more tangible, that's not an idiot talking. Uh, I am on Twitter at cage underscore podcast uh usually pretty active on there i'm usually checking it when i'm working for at home because i'm a monster uh instagram at cage rage pod um and between the two you can find the link trees uh available on all the usual um streaming platforms your spotify's your apples your pod chasers and all the other ones i can't remember because i'm 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 so bad at plugging uh but if you if you like uh an idiot talking about nicholas cage uh feel free to follow me send me uh, a dm or whatever like and rate the podcast if you want that'll be all right do that yeah do that do that now you get to end it as nick cage how would you end it as nick cage you got the best impression i've heard so far so far so far um you know, it's just been a this has been a fascinating opportunity to speak to you and uh, have this uh, interview and uh, you know just go you just don't see a lot of podcasts like this anymore you know and it's really about it's 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 such a, a interesting because you don't get a lot of hosts like yourself that ask the big questions and I uh, and I, and I respect that. And I, I really respect that. And follow Daryl uh, at Cage underscore podcast. Uh, he's not on Cameo, but he will send you nudes for $5. So uh, consider that. Times are hard, friends are few. Uh, be happy. Peace and love. The only person I know that can make singing happy birthday at a birthday party unfucking comfortable. <laughs> <laughs>